Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Last week, Sean was teaching on 2 Peter, and I was secretly excited when he didn't get all of his message preached, because that means I got to take over the last part of that verse, which is, um, this is, this is one of our favorite topics. Both of us love this topic, um, the all-sufficiency of the cross. It's, it's the understanding that in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that everything was provided for. He didn't leave things out. And, um, and it's, one of our favorite, it's one of our favorite topics, simply because every time we are reading through the Bible, we're finding something else that he didn't leave out. You know, something else that he's given us. It's just, it, it just makes us fall in love with him even more. And I, I think, yeah, I, it just makes me excited. But before we start jumping into the scripture, I have a couple of, I have a quote. I have two quotes, actually, I'm going to read. I read them to this week, and I, I was like, that's my message. So I'm going to give you a, a snippet of our message. The first one was from an 18th century theologian named Adam Clark. And he said, if we are waiting for our physical death, it's up there. It's a slide. I think it's slide number eight, if that helps you. There you go. If we are waiting for our physical death to free us once and for all from the power of sin, then we have just crowned death as our Savior and not the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. If we are waiting for our physical death to free us once and for all from the power of sin, then we have just crowned death as our Savior and not the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a really strong word. All right. Now we're going to mix it with a guy named Georgian Banoff. How many of you guys know the Banoffs? Have you ever heard of them? <laughs> They're crazy people. They're absolutely amazing. They, I know one of their part of their ministry is they spend a lot of their time, I think in Romania area, working with the gypsies. And um, they're just incredible. Um, but he, he said this. He said, that is why it is essential that we never reduce or lose sight of the magnitude of what Christ our Redeemer accomplished on the cross. His sacrifice was not solely to forgive our sins and secure our access to heaven. He makes us brand new. If we were to believe that Jesus covers over our rottenness and allows the poison of the serpent to remain inside of us until we finally make it to heaven, we would be denying the fullness and the grandeur of his death and resurrection. I'm going to poke some theological buttons today, probably. Because this is one of those messages where it talks pretty strongly about the fact that we break the mindset that says we're just sinners saved by grace. Right? In... in Galatians and Ephesians and in Romans and in 1 Corinthians and um, I'm sure that there's more. Paul actually starts off his messages with to the saints, to the churches, to the saints. And then, especially in Corinthians and in um, not Ephesians, it was Corinthians and Galatians, 
he's referencing the saints, but he actually writes most of his letter as a rebuke. So who, to people who were saints, but they were dealing with sin issues. 1 Corinthians, the entire 13 or 14 chapters, there might be 15 or 16, I'm not sure. The, almost the entire book is a, is, is a redirection, putting them back on course, giving them instructions on how to deal with sin. He was writing to the saints, right? And then he was correcting sin. Well, how does that work? Well, saints means those who are set apart, right? He was writing to the saints. He addressed his letters of rebuke, loving rebuke from a father. He addressed them to the saints. He didn't say, you filthy sinners who've just been saved by grace. He called them saints. How does that work? How could they be a saint and yet still living with sin, right? What does that look like? So that's where, this is what happens, guys. We get saved and we, we know that we're supposed to do something different with our life and we're supposed to be holy, but what does that really even look like? And then we are triggered into sins and we don't know really how to get out of it. And so two things happen. We usually, we adapt a theology of two different types of things. The first one is that mindset that says we're just sinners saved by grace I'm still a simple sinner saved by grace, and I will only be set free from sin at death. This gives me license to continue to live in sin because it's a powerless gospel. When I die, death becomes my savior, and then in heaven, I'll be free from sin, right? And until then, I just struggle with my life all the time. Life is just a struggle, and I just sin, and I know it's bad, so I say I'm sorry, and I do it again, and I say I'm sorry, and I do it again, and I try to be a good person, and I try to make sure it looks really nice on the outside, but on the inside, what did Georgian say? He's like, it was called rottenness, living on the inside of us, right? That's one mindset that we have because we get that mindset because when we get saved, we find ourselves still stuck, and we don't know how to get out of it. And when we try to get out of it and we pray that God would get us out of it, and he doesn't show up just like we think he should, where he miraculously heals us of whatever sin that we're dealing with. Usually it's a character issue. We sin, right? Not because, well, let me just say it like this. We sin because we have character issues. We have things inside of us that aren't right, and it comes out of us. And when we pray, and Jesus, please help me to stop doing that. Help me to stop, you know, reacting in anger and rage, and he doesn't just miraculously make it disappear and give me just this beautiful, surpassing peace that passes understanding without any, any work, then we're like, oh, well, that must be because I'm a sinner. Or another thing that we come to is, well, we begin to distance ourselves from God because we think he's punishing us. So we put up a wall and we kind of back away from him because we're like, I can't, get, I can't get holy. You say to be holy because you're holy and I can't get there. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. And so I'm just gonna keep backing up because you're holy and I'm not and I can't figure it out. And so I think I'm saved. I think, you know, I try to love you, but I can't get past this, right? Here's the thing, neither of those are right. When we begin to hide ourselves under, behind a mindset of shame, we've just stepped into the trap of the enemy. 
Because what shame does is it tells you that in the core of who you are, your identity hasn't been rewritten. The core of who you are is still dirty and rotten. The Bible says you've been created new. That's what Titus says, right? A new creature, a new person. But I don't feel like that. And so therefore, I feel shame. And I feel like I can't win. And so the core of me, if I agree with the lie of shame, begins to say my identity is still rotten. I can't get there. Does that make sense? You know, and so what we do is we find ourselves just giving up. We struggle, we distance ourselves, we just go about our life, we try to be good people, you know, we try to pray, we try to read our Bible, sometimes it just feels overwhelming, and we just find ourselves moving into this place of complacency. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't know how to actually get better, and so I just stay. This is why I love these scriptures. There's so many of them, and we're just going to pick on... um, Second Peter, but uh, Romans, like if you read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, like you just start to just come alive with the fact that God set us free. Like he set us free, and it's so incredibly beautiful. But we're going to dig into a little bit. So Sean talked about Second Peter 1, 3, and I'm still going to carry on with the same verse because he missed the second half of a really important part. He didn't miss it. He didn't, he ran out of time. And you guys don't usually like being kept here until like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. So, <laughs> so I was, I was so excited. He got down from the stage and I'm like, yes, I get to preach your message. So, all right, I'm going to just read, I'm going to read second Peter one, three, and then we're going to read the um, we're going to talk about that one, and then we'll go into the fourth verse. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. All right, we're going to stop there for a second. Just for help. Those are a little bit small. Can you guys read those? All right. They're big? Okay. Um, the word pertain, pertaining to. It means to belong to, to be the property of, or the right, have the right or the duty of. So, he has granted to us, given us, everything we have the right to life and godliness. Everything that is consumed of of godliness and life, we've been given access to. Okay, that's what it means. It's, It's everything that is like the right, we have the right or the duty to walk in life, which means abundance and godliness. These different translations, this is the, I have a cheat list because I don't know what all the little things are for. The Berean Study Bible, the Good News Bible, the Tree of Life Version, the Passion Translation, and the Scriptures 2009 down here says, everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you. Everything you need for life and godliness, you actually have the right to step into life and godliness. It's been given to you through Christ Jesus. Okay? That's a really big deal. And Sean talked a lot about the life last time, and I get to talk about the godliness today. Okay? And then we're going to read 2 Peter 1, 4. It says, By these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers or sharers of the divine nature, having escaped to be rid of, to be freed from the corruption that is in the world by lust. 
All right, look at that scripture, look at that verse for a second, and tell me, is that future tense? It's past tense, which means it's already happened, right? It's not future tense. It doesn't say when you die and you go to heaven, right? That, that you're going to get these magnificent promises. This whole entire scripture, actually, is not talking about heaven. It's talking about here, right now, today, right? So the, it's past tense because what it's talking about, this has already happened for you, and now you're living in it today. So you're right still, Ori. It's past tense in the term, but it's past tense into the present, into today, right? Listen to this. So that by them in the middle, you may become partakers or sharers of the divine nature, your sin nature died when you gave your life to Jesus. And then when you were raised again to newness of life, you got a new life, a new, a new nature that was set inside of Jesus. We became sharers with his because he knew that we couldn't be on our own. He knew that we needed to be inside of him. So we literally were raised in Christ with him, right? We were raised with him and we become partakers of his divine nature. Sharers with that. What does it mean to be a partaker? If you partake in a meal together, what's happening? You're sharing a meal, right? Like you're actually like there's food out there and everybody is sharing a common meal. I didn't bring my, pack, my picnic lunch to a meal and I sit and eat my own little picnic lunch, right? It's not mine. I'm sharing with what's already been given to me on the table. Does that make sense? So we're, we are now sharing in the divine nature, Jesus' nature. We get to share with him. That's why we have the ability to live life in the fullness and to live a godly life. Well, what does that look like? That doesn't seem really practical. And most of us can recognize that we still struggle with sin, right? Right? So, so let's make it super practical, right? Because I don't like just teaching really great theology and then not having any way of doing anything about it. So let me start off. Some of you guys are new. Some of you have been with us for a long time. I, I really, I share this, this testimony often because um, for me personally, um, my, my biggest area of sin was so consuming for me that every other area that I've really had to address has all come out of that same root, okay? So for me, it was sin. It was a fear. It was the sin of fear. So for those of you who don't know the story, I'm standing like we, Sean and I were married. I was 18, and we were standing in seminary school waiting for one class to end and for, so that we could go into our class and I'm not doing anything. I'm literally standing there just waiting for the, for the class to end. We had like three or four more minutes left, and the, the professor was continuing to talk. And so um, as I'm just minding my own business, the Holy Spirit is like, hey, you know that fear that you deal with? And I'm like, yeah, the fear that is me. He was like, yeah, that's sin. And I, I was like, uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and, and he was like, it's sin. And I argued with him, and he just went silent. Typical. And, um, 
And so I, I sat there. I love, I love the Lord, and I've loved the Lord since I was like six or seven years old. Like, I, I have always loved Jesus. And um, just being raised in a Christian home, I knew, I knew him, and I, I felt his voice go quiet. And I was like, I don't know how to deal. This is my identity. This is who I am. Like, to make it super practical, like, to, to get up in the dark was terrifying. If I went downstairs, we owned a home. If I went downstairs to my basement, every light from the, my main floor all the way down was on, and I ran, okay? I ran down the stairs. I did whatever I had to do. I would run back up the stairs. If I had to go out to the car, I would run out to the car, and I would pray the entire time, Jesus, don't let me see any demons. Please don't let me see any demons, because I had been traumatized. I was terrified to go to the store by myself to not have Sean, my, the person who literally kept me safe without me. Like if I had to go buy milk from the grocery store, I was terrified to go by myself. I'm serious, like I was riddled with fear. It was me, it was me. I was terrified to meet new people. When people come up and introduce themselves to Sean and I, I would sit back and I would not say a word until I saw that they were kind of nice and then I would engage with them. I was terrified of people. I was terrified of life. I didn't function well. I was a mess. But I loved Jesus. Right? And so then he's poking at the core of who I was. He was poking at my identity, who I was, and he was saying it's sin. Right? Can I just say in that moment, he extended grace to me? He extended grace what do you mean by that? Why, what I mean by that is grace is the empowerment to walk out of sin, right? Listen to, listen to this scripture in Titus. It's Titus 2. It's a different scripture than I read in the beginning. <clears throat> it says, For the grace of God has displayed itself with healing power to all mankind. The grace of God trains us, verse 12, to renounce ungodliness and all pleasures of this world and to live sober, upright, and pious lives at the present time in expectation of the fulfillment of our blessed hope, the appearing in glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us or for us to purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people who should be specially his own, zealous for doing good works. Excuse me, I'm going to grab a Kleenex. My allergies have been attacking me today. So the grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness, right? How, teaches us how to live sober, upright, good lives, holy lives. And then it purifies for himself a people. That means he purifies us, right? So the grace of God trains us, he teaches us, he equips us, and he purifies us. So when Jesus told me, as I'm standing there, that your, your fear is a sin, he actually handed me grace. Right? Does that make sense? Because grace was an empowerer. Now, how does that correlate with 2 Peter where it says, I've been given everything for life and godliness. Here's the thing. Grace 
was handed to me, and I had to choose to do something with it. All right, now I'm going to stop my testimony, and I'm going to share a little story from um, how many of you guys watched Narnia, like the 2000, early 2000s Narnias? Okay, so half of you. All right, I'm just going to tell a quick story about it, because I was thinking about this message yesterday, like just praying about, about it with the Lord, and I felt like he dropped this. Um, I haven't watched that movie in like 15 years, so... I had to go back and like find a clip on it because I didn't even, like, I was like, is this actually what happened? I don't remember. I haven't seen it in so long. But Father Christmas shows up in the middle of crazy, right? So for those of you, I don't, I'm not even going to tell you the whole story of Narnia. They're running from a bad person, a bad, the white witch. They're running from her. She's trying to kill the world, you know, and these kids are going to become the saviors, all right? That's basically the end. And then there's Aslan the king, who is really a representation of Jesus, right? Who actually is the one who's the hero of the story, okay? That's the basis. These three kids have, are royalty, and they are running from the, the white witch, all right? And they're hiding from her. They're terrified. They think they're going to die. And she was just there. And then comes Father Christmas. And Father Christmas shows up, and he brings gifts to them. And he hands each one of them gifts, and for, for the littlest one, she was given a gift of, of really healing. Um, and, you know, but the other two were given gifts that they didn't actually have the capacity to use well. One of them was given a bow and arrow, and the other one was given a sword and a shield. But they weren't warriors. They were, they were teenagers. They had never experienced war. And so they were handed gifts. I would say they were handed grace gifts, right? And then what happened is they had to then learn to train. They had to be taught the knowledge of the gifts, how they worked, the skills of the gift. How does it work? What does it do? So the girl who was given, I think her name was Lucy, I don't have my story wrong. She was given a bow and arrow. She didn't know how to shoot a bow and arrow. It was Susan? It was Susan. Lucy was the littlest one. I'm sorry. It was Susan. See, so those, like I told you, I haven't seen it in forever. You know, but she, so Susan was given, she was given a bow and arrow, but she didn't know how to use it. Right? She was given it as something, but it was a, like she had everything she needed to win the war except for her own participation in the process. She then had to train. And what you see through the, the story is that they get pulled aside and they are taught and trained and they fall on their face and they make mistakes and they get back up and they have to keep training until they're actually able to use the weapons that were given to them for the right purpose in the right ways. Right? That is Second Peter. Everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you by God, and you get it through the knowledge of him, right? She had to learn the knowledge of bow and arrow. What does it look like? How does it work? What are the, the skills that I need? She had to understand, grow in her understanding of how to use this weapon, when we've been given everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's the knowledge part that is the part that makes us set free. 
So many of us want just a quick fix. We want to be able to pray a quick prayer like we did at Salvation where we're like, okay, Jesus, we give you everything. Now take all of my sin and make my world perfect. I've personally, I'm sure it has happened, but I've personally never seen anybody healed of character flaws. I've only seen them have to heal their character. Right? Through the knowledge of Jesus. I've seen people set free of drugs in an instant. I was actually thinking about a story of a, of a girl. Um, we, she had actually come up to the church one day, and, and she caught us after service, and she was, she was talking, and she said, you know, I... She goes... She was actually high on meth when she came, and, and she had said, she was like, I, I got set free about 15 years ago. She was like completely instantly... She goes, I was in service, and God literally just came, and he set me free. She said, severed the addiction of meth off of my life. She was like, for six months, I never had one ounce of a draw for it. She said, not an ounce. She sits there, and she goes, she was now, like, by the time she was talking to us, she was 35 years old. Her life was a disaster, and she was a broken mess, obviously, talking to me, you know? And she goes, but for six months, she goes, I never did anything with the freedom, and I stayed with all the friends who were partying still. She said, and then one day, they offered it to me, and I said, why not? And she goes, and for the rest of my life, I've been stuck. She was given grace, right? She didn't grab a hold of it and begin to develop the character and the knowledge of Jesus Christ to grow into wholeness. She, she lost that victory and that freedom, and she knew it. You know, and I, I wish I had a great story about her today. I, I don't know. I don't know where she's at today. I haven't, I haven't heard from her in a long time. But, you know, but it broke my heart because it was, it was this understanding that that God came and set her free. And instead of adjusting her life to shift into holiness and into righteousness and going after the Lord, she stayed where she was at. And so many of us do that. So many of us have prayed. We thank God for the things that he's given us. We, we're appreciative of his salvation, but we just stay there. And we're like, well, if you want to set me free from sin, you're free to do so. I'd like that. Oh, but reading my Bible, growing in the knowledge of you, that's hard work. That sounds exhausting. I don't like to read. You know, or, or simply, but my flesh is screaming for this today. And so I want to, let me tell you, let me tell you the rest of my story with fear. Okay? So God told me, this is a sin. I'm going to stay over here for that because this is where it started. And there was this journey back to heal or to healing. I, I can't even say back to healing. But here's what happened. I, I was given grace. Here is the kindness of God that leads me to repentance being handed to me. He wasn't mean. He wasn't rude. He just said, hey, that's a sin. And he knew me well enough to know that I loved him and I would go after it. Right? So he handed this to me and I had a choice. What do I do with this? Because he doesn't control me. 
right? I could have ignored it. I wanted to. I really wanted to. I'll be honest. It terrified me because I lived in fear to go after fear. It was the biggest enemy that I had. It was it literally owned me. It controlled me. Everything I did in my life was, it literally, like, I adjusted my life for my sin, right? It had complete control over my life. And so I'm standing here with the knowledge that my lifestyle is sin, and I don't know what to do about it, right? But I've been given grace because God loved me so much that he would tell me that I had sin. I never considered it sin. I just considered it misty. I'm serious. I just thought it was me. You know, and so I took it, tucked it away in my heart for the rest of the evening and kind of and and really wanted to just ignore it. And I took a step toward him and I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I started this. This is your process, guys. This is the simplicity of the gospel. I opened up my Bible and I said, God, what do you say about fear? Is it really a sin? Please don't let it be. I don't know how to deal with this. I had no inner healing knowledge. There was no sozo. There was no, there was no prayers that were given to me for me to know there were. They were out there. I didn't have access to them. I, I didn't know in our world, in our Christian circles, that inner healing could even happen. I didn't even know that's what I was trying to do. I just knew that God said I had a sin, and I had to deal with it, right? And so I opened up my Bible, and I began to research, like, what does the Bible say about fear? And I came across verses like, perfect loves cast out fear. There's no fear in Jesus. And I was like, God, like, I love you, but I live in fear in everything, so is my love not perfect with you? Like, am I flawed? Like, is there something broken? And I began to just search through the scriptures, and I came to realize that the voice that was speaking to me was God telling me that I was in sin and that I had to agree that fear was a sin as written in the word. And so then what? Now what? It's literally me. Like it's everything that I can identify with is sin. And I love Jesus and I love him enough to go after it, but it was terrifying. And so I found scriptures that gave gave me promises. There was a scripture, nighttime was the worst to be honest, the, the darkness um, was, was the worst. And so I found a scripture in Psalm that says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. And I memorized it. And then I would lay in my bed, and I would get woken up in the middle of the night. And our house didn't help because it had some creepy, crawly things that were happening in the house. And we didn't know that we could actually cast things out. Like, there were doors that were slammed shut that couldn't, that literally, like, the carpet was too thick for them to move without a really good pull then they would just shut and weird things would happen. And so it didn't help. So I was woken up in the middle of the night with that kind of stuff often. And, you know, and I would lay there and I would chat like Sean was always gracious when I asked him to pray for me and wake him up. But, you know, a hundred times a night doesn't help. And he's not going to like, I'd be like, can you just stay awake with me for a minute? He's like, uh-huh, I'll try. And then you hear him snoring next to you and you're like, all right, well, you know, and so I would lay there in terror and, and I would sit there and I was like, God, what was that verse again? I, I memorized a verse. Okay, you make me dwell in peace. Like in, in, in peace, I'm going to close my eyes and rest because you make me dwell in safety. You're my safety. And so then I, would, I was like, okay, you're my safety. And I would like repeat that over and over and over again. And I would say, I'm going to choose peace. And I would like quiet my body. And I would literally force myself to breathe deep and just to put myself in there. And I was terrified. I was not successful. 
in the moment, instantly. I would sing songs, though sometimes the only song would come to my head was Jesus Loves Me. Songs from my childhood, a little tired. I felt, like a, I felt ridiculous. Like I'm laying there going, you know, like Jesus loves the little children in my head, you know, like, like just trying to find peace. And it took me to fight every single night, every single day, for over a year before it broke off of my life completely. There were small victories in about six months, but I'm telling you that first six months, it was horrible, and I wanted to give up so many times. But you know, I didn't fail in any one of those. I might not have received the benefits that I wanted. I might not have been set free instantly, but what I did was I learned that I actually had tenacity to go after righteousness, that Jesus was actually empowering me to be able to walk into something and to fight for something that was worth it. I had to fight. I had to pick up the weapons, the bow and arrow, the sword and the shield, and I had to begin to go to battle, and I had to learn battle. I had to learn it every single day. I had to train every single night for over a year before I won victories, good victories, big victories. I won some skirmishes in the middle. There were times when near the end where I remember just going, I'm going to choose to go to sleep in peace. And I would actually like take a deep breath and I could feel his peace wash over me. And I would go, okay, and now I'm going to sleep. And I would literally put myself to sleep even though I could feel the swarm of the enemy around me. And I would put myself to peace or to sleep in his peace. I found that I had victories. I began to win. But it took this battle. Why does he let us do that? Why does he make us walk through this battle? Because he's growing us. Because for me, after that year, God had miraculously, or during that year, God had miraculously also paid off all of our debts because we didn't understand that we shouldn't have been in debt. and We had a lot of it. And he moved us to the mission field. And guess where I went? I went to India. Let me tell you, we saw all kinds of crazy demonic stuff that happened there, and I needed to have the peace of God, and I needed to be set free from that so that when we moved to India and Sean wasn't with me, I didn't come undone, right? Because I wouldn't have made it. The demonic warfare in India was so much worse than my little house. But he knew that I needed that time to train. He needed me to pick up my weapons of warfare and begin to fight the enemy that was in my life that was raging because he knew that if it controlled me, I would never be able to walk into anything in my life, right? And so he gave me grace. That scripture, this is why, this scripture, I read it um, in Second Peter probably seven or eight years ago. I, I've read it before that, but it hit my spirit and it was like, it was like, this is my scripture. I have a lot of those, actually. I have a lot of those. These are my scriptures. You know, I'll tell you often, this is my favorite scripture. It's one of my favorites. But this scripture was like the freedom. This scripture was freedom for me. Why was it freedom for me? Because I walked through this battle, but what I saw was that he extended to me the possibility of godliness. Living in unity with him, submersed in his divine nature. It's not mine. I'm not a God, right? It's not what it's saying. It doesn't say that we became gods and have God nature. It says that we've been dropped into his, we share his nature with him, 
right? What does that mean? That means that I don't have to sin. It doesn't mean that he's going to come and just miraculously take it out of my life, but it does mean he's given me the tools that I need to learn how to walk in godliness, to learn how to move towards him in a way that I can be set free, right? And, and I think that that's why it just, it makes me so excited. I don't know about you guys, but to know that I don't have to, first of all, I would say this, it makes you responsible. So maybe you won't like this verse, right? Because some of us really like to lean heavy on the sovereignty of God. Well, if God doesn't sovereignly just come and zap me with character, then I guess he didn't want me to have it. You know, but the Bible says be holy. He doesn't say I'm going to zap your character and make you holy. He says to walk it out, fight for it. And he's given you these tools of grace to be able to do it. And it's through the knowledge of God. It's through cracking open your Bible and saying, what do you say to me about this addiction that I deal with? What do you say to me, to me about my identity? Who am I? If you're saying that, sit, that fear is a sin, and I think that that's who I am, what do you say about me? Because I don't know. Who is misty without fear? That's terrifying to even think about. You know, like that mindset of going, I can't, if I can't picture it, it scares me. And so I don't want to go after it. But then I have to find in the written word of God, I have to dig into this because this and our relationship with God, our prayer life, this is where we find who we are, what he says to us. And this is where godliness is found. It's not found in the boring word of God. It's the living and active word of God that comes in and, and it begins to change our life. And we read it and we go, oh my goodness, fear isn't, doesn't have to be a part of my life. I can be set free and you're safe enough that I can trust you in that? Oh, you're safe? In you, I can dwell in safety even when the world is raging around me? Oh, you mean I actually have been given a gift of self-control? Well, I lose control of myself multiple times a day. So if you've given me the gift of self-control, do you have the grace that I can walk into? What, how do I do that? Well, I read the word. What does the Bible say about self-control? How do I walk in the spirit, right? That's how we get self-control is we walk in the spirit. What does the Bible say about that? And as I dig into the word of God, it renews me and it sets me free and I can find myself becoming godly. Every little piece of brokenness, the rottenness that has lived inside of me begins to get cleansed out and I find myself going, oh, that part's been made new. That part's been made new. And for me, that part of fear has been made new over and over and over again for the last 25 years. Layer after layer after layer, God has pulled off of my life. We don't, the person I am today is not the person Sean married. Hopefully he likes it still. But the truth is, is that when he married me, I was terrified of everything. You know, and that's not who I am right now. And it's not because I've done something amazing. It's because I grabbed a hold, ter terrified. I grabbed a hold of the word of God and said, I really don't want this to be sin. But I would love you enough to make a choice. And every day, every minute sometimes, minute by minute, I would make the choice to say, I love you and I'm going to fight. And I'm going to fight. And let me tell you, I'm not Sean's personality. I'm not the go-getter. 
I love to sit back and relax. I am a procrastinator by nature. There's not much drive. I hate exercise. I hate having to move. Like, I love to read a book by the fire, right? That's who I am. I would rather do that. I'm a mess at home. Like, my house is, like, well, Sean keeps my house clean. Like, I'm not that person. I'm not the one who goes around and always makes my life better. I'm not the per- that person, all right? If I can do this step and walk into freedom over and over and over again in my life with Jesus just because I love him. Anybody can do it. I'm telling you, I'm not somebody who's like, okay, we're going to go get this, and I just run after it. You know, like, we're going to run a marathon. No, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I don't know why you would. Sorry for those of you, if you'd like to run, bless you. You know, but that's not who I am. I'm not that go-getter person. But I knew that to, to walk in righteousness was a calling that my dad asked me to do. And I love him enough that I want to make him happy and I want to please him. And I don't want to live in a lifestyle of sin. And so I was willing to do the dirty, hard work every single day, every single minute. Sometimes literally in tears going, I'm failing at this, I'm failing at this. And he was just like, here's another song, sing this song. And it was like, Jesus loves me over and over and over again. And I'm like, it's a good thing you love me because you're probably, you don't like my voice. And it's the middle of the night, and I just want to go to sleep, you know? And, and slowly, I found myself getting healed over and over and over again. But here's the thing, guys. I'm not special. If I can do this, you guys can do this. It's written here. The grace has been extended to you. This is why it's a hard verse. People don't like grace because it comes with responsibility. Now you can't walk out and say you didn't know that you could live a sin-free life. You can walk into righteousness. That's the thing. So when you have sin, you can't say, I'm just a sinner so I can live with my sin. No, instead you have to start doing the hard work. The great news is we do have inner healing tools now that do help expedite the work. So talk to us about those if you need them. But here's the thing. Like, this is why we love this scripture, you know, because the people, the person that I was, yeah, I was a broken mess. And I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be somebody who's courageous. That's why I loved Sean. He was always like, let's go. And I'm like, that's terrifying. And he's like, let's go, it'll be fun. And I'm like, but all this time, like we're gonna die. And he's like, let's go, it'll be fun death. Like, <laughs> let's go. And, and so I would cling to him because I loved that part of him, but I didn't have it in myself. I was dependent on that need for him, and yet God called me into it, right? And then we traveled the world for a season, and then we raised kids, which was probably more of an adventure than traveling the world, you know? Like, and I had to be able to have fear off of my life when my children were climbing 30 feet in a, in a tree, right? And when they were like, can we jump off of this ledge? And I'm like, that looks terrifying. Sure, you can cliff jump. 12-year-old son, I hope you can swim good. You know, like, don't break anything. I don't want to go to the doctor. Like, you know, but I had to have those things broken off my life for my own freedom because it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Right? It was for freedom that he set us free. And it's a testimony to other people. You don't have to live like that. Every single one of us has a sphere that's been called, that we've been called to. And that sphere needs to see you walk into freedom. Christ died for your freedom. And it's our responsibility, it's our duty 
or our right to walk into godliness because he did that for us. He's paved a way for us, right? And it shines a light to everybody around you who goes, you're not the same person you used to be. I don't even know who that person was. And I was a Christian. I still don't know who she was. I don't identify with her at all anymore, right? That's what freedom looks like. That's what walking into godliness looks like. That's what having life and godliness looks like. And it's possible for each one of us. All right, I've kept you long enough. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the all-sufficiency of your death, burial, and resurrection. That when you died, you saved us, not because we did anything that was beautiful, but because of your kindness and your love, you saved us and you, you gave us grace to walk us into righteousness, to walk us into holiness, God. And we just thank you. We thank you that you've given us tools, you've given us gifts of grace to be able to stand up and begin to fight for righteousness, God. Would you show us, would you begin to equip each one of us on how to battle the things that we're struggling with, the mindsets that need to shift, the, the addictions that need to break, God, the, the anger that's out of control, the walls of nothing that we feel, we feel nothing that have come up to protect us. God, would you begin to show us how to break those things down? Would you give us a hunger to thirst after your word, after your voice? And would you show us step by step how to war and give us the tenacity to go after it? We thank you that the Holy Spirit comes and he teaches us. He walks us every step of the way. And Jesus, we just say we need you today. We need you, Holy Spirit. We're thankful for Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit that comes and rests on us. God, you just thought of everything. Yeah. To say that I'm grateful is to, it feels so small. But Jesus, I just say that you gave your life and I owe you mine. And every step we take, God, we're going to be taking it towards you with a single one thing focus of growing into you so that we can be a vessel that's used by you, Jesus. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.